I want to open with a word of prayer and just ask the Lord to be with us today. Father, I thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to bring your word. Father, I don't want to add to the background noise. I, I ask God that you would, you would speak, that your word would be lifted up, that you would be glorified, Father, and we would hear you this morning. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I was also at Pastor's Prayer uh, uh, a little bit ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, and we were talking about the importance of being filled with wonder, being filled with amazement over the things of God, about God, the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the word of God, and how important it was that we maintain a heart of wonder and maintain a heart of amazement. And it, and it was during that time the Lord reminded me of a sermon that I had spoken several years ago. And so I felt like he wanted to revisit that this morning. And so that's kind of where I'm going. I'm calling it, Does Our Heart Marvel? Does your heart marvel? Does my heart marvel concerning the things of the kingdom of God? You know, it's interesting that word marvel means to be filled with wonder, to be astonished over something that is surprising and extraordinary. Certainly the things of the kingdom of God are surprising and extraordinary. Amen. And they should fill our hearts with wonder and, and amazement. Um, most of you are probably familiar with the Marvel comic book characters and uh, the Marvel Universe and Iron Man and Captain America and Spider-Man, Batman. Uh, Batman. <laughs> anyway, we have a divided kingdom. <clears throat> Anyway, people flocked by the millions with anticipation at seeing the latest Marvel movies, like Federico over there. <laughs> Did you know that ticket sales to the last Marvel movie was $1,800,000,000? They parted this with $1,800,000,000 because we marvel over these comic book characters. Right? I won't ask how many went to see the movie. But let me ask you a question. Do we marvel with the same excitement, with the same anticipation, with the same amazement about God, the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the word of God? Let me, I was reading recently Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. It says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. The heavens alone speak of the glory of God. And his, their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Every day, the heavens declare something to us. Are we watching it? Are we amazed by it? Are we looking at it? Day by day pours forth speech, and night by night reveals knowledge. God created the heavens and the sky to reveal his glory and uh, uh, who he is to the people that he created. Amen. He revealed, he, he, the heavens are there to tell us the story of who he is. Amen. To remind us that there is a creator. The magnificence of the heavens just speak of the divine nature of our creator. Amen. Every time we go outside, perhaps we should pause and take notice of the heavens, whether it's day or night, and just thank God for his wonderful creation. Why would we do that? Because they remind us of the reality of a creator, the bigness 
in the greatness of our God. In fact, I just remind, back in renewal days, there was an acronym that we used. I don't know if anybody remembers it. B-H-A-G. We serve a big, hairy, audacious God. <laughs> now, I don't know where Harry comes from, but we certainly do serve a big, audacious God. <clears throat> now, let's ask this question. Many of us went to perhaps to the theater and flocked to the theater to see the Marvel movies. But would you flock to a theater if someone was going to stand up and read the Word of God for two hours? Would we go with the same excitement? Would we go with the same anticipation? Would we put it on a counter? Would we look forward to it? Well, you know, that's actually what happened in Nehemiah, in the days of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, the, the, uh, the book of the law had been lost for a number of decades. Uh, and somebody found it in a back room in the temple. And the people, when they learned that the book of the law had been found, it says in Nehemiah 8.1, all the people gathered as one and asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. The people went to, the, to Ezra and said, please pull out the book and read it to us. In verse 3, it says he read from it, now get this, from early morning until midday. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Would we stand there from mid-morning to, I mean, from uh, early morning to midday and listen to the reading of the Word of God? And remain attentive and not fall asleep? I think they understood something of the internal significance of, of the book of the law. They, understand, they understood uh, a sense of the, the internal significance of the words that they were listening to. And so they were amazed by it. Um, they did not fully understand everything, I'm sure, uh, but they knew that the law had come from God. They knew that the words that they were hearing had come from God. And they wanted to hear what God had to say. Above everything else and all the other voices, and we have so many more voices today than they did. They wanted to hear, they wanted to pull out of all that, all that, pull out of everyday activity and stuff, they wanted to pull out and hear what God had to say to them. Do we have that same zeal to pull out of all the background noise that were thrown at us, to pull out the Word of God and what God wants to say to us as a people? John Piper said something interesting. He said, Human beings have a strange malady that makes the ordinary glories of each day almost invisible and certainly less interesting than their imitations in theaters and television. That is so true. I mean, you can look at a flower and we really ought to marvel over it. The intricacies of the flower and the, the creator who brought it into existence. We, we get a lot of stimulation and we enjoy it from the various forms of media that were available to us today. We recently celebrated Christ's resurrection. Are we amazed? I, I wondered this one when we were had, uh, on resurrection day. Are we amazed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do we marvel over it? Are we stirred by it? In all of human history, there's never been any God resurrected from the dead but Jesus Christ. 
All the others who claim to be God are dead and in their grave. But the disciples on that resurrected morning found the grave empty because Jesus had been resurrected into newness of life. It is the resurrection that gives us the hope of eternal life. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Just think about that. Christ overcame death. Something that is inevitable for all of us. Christ overcame it, and we have the hope that after death, we can enter into a greater life than we're experiencing now. That should cause us to be amazed, to be filled with wonder, be filled with excitement over what lays ahead. Now, most of Marvel's fictional characters operate in a single reality known as the Marvel Universe. Yet Jesus Christ operates in a multidimensional reality known as the kingdom of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, it speaks of the seven dimensions of the Holy Spirit. In John 4, 24, it says, God is spirit. This means that God cannot be confined by the dimensions of time and space. In 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul writes and he says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. Our God is eternal, immortal, and invisible. The Marvel Universe and its superheroes really pale compared to the reality of the king and his kingdom. And we might ask ourselves, has the reality of the eternal taken a hold of our hearts? I think the unseen world should be more real to us than the seen world. The unseen world should be more real to us than the seen world. Unfortunately, everything that I can see, feel, hear, and touch often becomes a priority in my life over the, the, the eternal, over the spiritual, over God, over his word. Other things seem to take precedence. So my question this morning is, does our heart marvel? Does my heart marvel? Does your heart marvel? Is there a wonder in our hearts concerning the majesty of God and his relationship with mankind? It's not just that he's a big God, but he, he wants to. He loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. God, the creator, the sustainer of life itself, desires a relationship with his creation. He desires a relationship with us. I want you to listen to these two verses for a moment. Kind of compare them a little bit. In Ezekiel 34, verse 11, it says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. God, this is God. He says, for thus the Lord God says, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. God is looking for his people. In Psalm 139, 23, you have kind of a contrast. You have uh, David crying out and saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Now think about this for a minute. In the first verse, we see God searching for his people. In the second verse, we see the psalmist crying out for more of God. Now, I believe moments of wonder come 
when God who is looking for us encounters us looking for him. Moments of wonder come when God who is looking for us encounters us looking for him. I, I believe God's doing his part. Are we doing our part? James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It seems to me we have little excuse not to have a close relationship with God. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. But what do we have to do? We have to draw near to God. We have to pursue God. God has called us into a partnership with him, Emmanuel, God with us and God for us. Now, I just want to look at a moment at some of the things that hinder us from having a marveling heart. Um, this is a, what is this? This is a, this is a half dollar. Does anybody know what a half dollar is anymore today? <laughs> Do we even pay for anything we change anymore? Anyway, um, if I hold this quarter at arm's length, it doesn't really do anything to block my view of the heavenlies, does it? Does it? No. no. But the closer and closer I bring this coin to my eyeball, the more and more and more that it blocks out of the heavenlies. Now, I believe it's the same way with leaky faucets and crying babies, with entertainment that we feel like we have to have, with the hobbies we feel have to be involved in, with sports that we are involved in, all these things fill our vision sometimes and block out the wonder of God, and we are no longer amazed. We become preoccupied with the world around us, and it fills our time and drains our energy. Does anybody have that problem besides me? There are so many things in this world that capture me. And before you know it, they've captured an hour or they've captured two hours. My son, my son, my grandson was recently given a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. Now, who plays the Nintendo Switch? I do. At one point, I said to Sherry, this is on Sherry's uh, account, I said, look, I want you to put parental controls on this. <laughs> Limit the amount of time that I can uh, play on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> the eternal becomes less significant than the problems and the distractions that we face every day. So what does wonder, what does amazement look like in our lives? Romans 11:3, uh, Paul writes and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. He was amazed with the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the judgments of God. They were unfathomable to him. He was filled with wonder. There's so much hidden in the word of God that has been placed there for you and I to discover. If only we'll take the time to pursue it.
Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. And I believe we are kings and queens in the kingdom of God, and it is our glory to search out in God's word what God has hidden there for us to find. And then to come away amazed and, and filled with wonder and marvel over what God has done. We must learn how to avoid uh, must avoid allowing the difficulties of life, the small things like that coin, to become bigger than God, to cast a shadow that blocks our view of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the glory of God. Amen. The things in this life can cast such a dark shadow that we don't see the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God anymore. Interesting in the scripture, after Jesus and some women went to the tomb, they found it empty. This was... Uh, after Jesus had been resurrected. So they ran back to tell the apostles. Now listen to this, this here in Luke 24, verse 10. Now they, they, they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with, with, were, I'm sorry, with them were telling those, these things to the apostles. They went back to tell the apostles, look, the stone's been rolled away. The tomb is empty. Verse 11, but these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. These are people they knew. These are people they'd walked with. These are people they were related to. And they said, ladies, you are off your rocker. But Peter, now this is Peter. Peter's, Peter gets in trouble for a lot of things. But, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home marveling over what had happened. Woo! Woo! Well, who, who am I like? Who are you like? I'm, uh, am I like the disciples who would not believe the testimonies about the Lord and consider them to be nonsense? Or am I like Peter who immediately got up and ran to the tomb to investigate for himself? Peter's actions may have been considered impulsive and foolish to others. Are we going to allow um, what others think hold us back from expressing our passion for God? This is exactly what Rachel said earlier. Do I marvel at God? Is my heart filled with awe concerning God and who he is? The attributes of God, his faithfulness, his mercy, the acts of God, uh, his, his miracles, his work in my life. Now, I know that we serve a God that we do not always understand, perhaps like the, the ladies and, the, and Peter and the apostles. But if I am willing to only accept from God what I understand, then I'm limiting God and putting him subject to my judgments. If I am only willing to accept from God what I understand, then I'm limiting God and making him subject to my judgments. He would not be God if he was not bigger than me, wiser than me, and filled with great mystery. Um, mysteries that we will be looking into for eternity. To marvel is not to say I understand everything about God. It's okay to marvel without understanding the why or the how. Amen. 
After the resurrection, we have a story here in Luke 24 of two men walking on the road to Emmaus. And it says in verse 13, And behold, two of them, two disciples, were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. They're talking about Jesus and his life and his, his uh, crucifixion, his burial, and now these rumors about him being resurrected. So they're talking about all this. And verse 15, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And so I, I want to ask this question, have I failed, have we failed to recognize Jesus in everyday life affairs? Have I failed to acknowledge God's hand in all of my life, the good times and the difficult times? In 1 Chronicles 16, it says that we're to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength or glory and honor. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. If something happens in my life, I consider, do I consider it a random event or do I ascribe glory to God? For an example. Just a small example. Uh, th this past Friday, my wife drove to Winter Haven to be, spend a few days with her mother. And I prayed for her. I prayed for a safe trip, prayed the car would keep running well, prayed there'd be no incidents along the road. Well, a couple hours later, she arrived safely. Now, I could just talk it up to, well, she's a good driver, good driving conditions, and you know. It... Instead, I, I chose to ascribe to God thankfulness and gratefulness that he got my wife there safely. Make it a habit when something good happens in your life to ascribe honor and glory to God. Learn to interpret life in the context of the eternal and not always looking at it from a factual human perspective. But see life from the, from the standpoint of the eternal. Do you know that word ascribe means to make a decision between various options? I can choose to believe that things happen by chance or that God is involved. I can choose to believe that life is a series of random events and I'm a victim or God is faithful and present to help in my time of need. Those are choices I get to make. I decide whether to ascribe glory and honor to God or not. I, describe, I decide whether to ascribe glory and honor to God or to complain and grumble and make a lot of noise. I get to decide how I respond to life situations. I am not a victim. I carry the resurrection life of Jesus Christ inside of me. And I am victorious in Christ regardless of what's happening around me. Even if my world around me is crumbling, the God within me is alive. Does my own unbelief prevent me from seeing what God has done and what he's doing in my life? Or is my heart filled with such expectation and anticipation concerning what God has done, is doing, and is going to do? In the, in, the, in the scriptures, again, there's another story. This is a story about Lazarus. You may remember the story. Lazarus died uh, and uh, was put in a tomb. And 
Mary and his, uh, his sister Mary and Martha called for Jesus to come. What did Jesus do? He waited four days. <laughs> then he wept. <laughs> he waited, then he wept. But anyway, he waited four days. And, uh, and then he comes and he stands in front of the tomb. And he says this. Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Now listen to these next two verses. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. They saw the miracle, the man raised from the dead. They believed in him. But look at verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. In other words, some did not marvel and were not impressed that he raised somebody from the dead. Am I among those who believe or disbelieve? How would I have responded to Lazarus coming out of that grave? Would I be upset that maybe Jesus had raised the dead on the Sabbath or done some other thing to break the law? Or would I be excited that he raised the dead? You know, we can get pretty religious ourselves and discredit things because they don't fit into our theology. Am I critical of anything supernatural to the point that I doubt and dismiss what I do not understand? Hmm? Do I portray myself as a victim rather than a victor who is serving the living God? When you see someone get excited about God or someone fall into the power of the Holy Spirit or hear a testimony of someone being healed, is that not enough for us to give thanksgiving and glory to God? What more do we need to see of God before we will be impressed, before we will marvel? Now, I know we're, we, we are seeking after and praying after even greater miracles, people being raised and all of those things. But there's so much of the glory of God present now that we can marvel over. Just like I mentioned, the heavens themselves declare the glory of God. Creation itself declares the glory of God. What would impress me? What would cause me to marvel, to jump up and down, get excited, and shout? What would cause us to run after God like so many run after the Marvel movies? In fact, some of you Go to the opening show at midnight. <laughs> it takes a lot to get me into a theater at midnight. <laughs> I believe that one of the things we must learn to do is to turn aside from the busyness and distractions of life to engage the Lord and wonder. Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. Uh, Moses without sh was out shepherding the sheep, his flock. He was busy. It was a, may have been a hot day. And, you know, some of these sheep are running off. And he's busy trying to gather them together and keep them uh, together as a flock. And 
He happens to notice up on the hillside a bush that's burning, but what's unusual about this bush is it's not consumed by the fire. It just keeps burning, and he probably ignored it for a while, and 20 minutes later looked back, and the bush is still burning, went back to tend to his sheep, an hour later looked at the bush is still burning. And in, in uh, verse 3 of Exodus 3, it says, So Moses said, he finally said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he, Moses, turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And then Moses said, here I am. Moses marveled, and as a result, he turned aside to look on that which he did not understand. How many times do we ignore what we do not understand or do not take time to turn aside and see if God is in something? And when Moses stepped aside from his everyday routine, he encountered the living God. God was looking for Moses, and Moses turned aside, resulting in a divine encounter. Has God placed the burning bushes in our lives? But are we too busy or too skeptical, skeptical to turn aside and look at them? How many burning bushes have we passed by? How many opportunities have we ignored? How many times have we looked away? How many times have we been so busy we didn't even see what we didn't see? What can we do so that our hearts will marvel? What's interesting, it says in the scripture that we become what we behold. We become what we behold. We become what we look at. We become what we listen to. Gossip, criticism, the wrong type of TV, wrong type of movies. We become what we dwell our minds on. I don't know about your mind, but my mind sometimes goes to some very strange places. And I have to pull it back. Or I get on with, for the ride and just ride, ride it out. However, as we behold, as we look on the glory of Christ, we're transformed degree by degree into his image. And so we need to learn to look on the glory of God. That's why I think it's so important to recognize God in creation, to see God in the heavenlies, to see God wherever we turn, to, to remember back over the works of God in our lives and the things of God in our lives, to ascribe glory to God in something that I previously ascribed a random event to. Whatever we stare at grows. When I entertain thoughts contrary to God and his word, I set myself up to be weak in the flesh. I mean in the faith. When I entertain thoughts contrary to God and his word, I set myself up to be weak in the faith. Not only that, when I say those words out loud, you know, my own self-talk is sometimes worse than, than the stuff other people say. I tend to believe myself when I talk it. 
And when I do listen to or speak out words that are contrary to God, it weakens the faith. I, I plant seeds in the garden of my heart that compete for the nourishment my faith needs to survive. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, we are new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul talks about forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead in Philippians 3. Do not allow your thinking to be limited by your unbelief, your short-sightedness, or your history. Don't let your history define you. In fact, Rachel said several years back, she said, do not plug your faith into your feelings or your truth into your experiences. Your feelings don't define your faith, and your experiences don't define truth. Let your faith be filled with the expectation of the supernatural, the extraordinary, and the impossible. Psalm 77 verse 11 says this. Psalmist writes and he says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works and muse on your deeds. Listen to the words of the psalmist. Take time to remember, to meditate, to muse on the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the faithfulness of God. There's an interesting story about uh, Billy Bray, who was an evangelist, lived some time in the past. And he came across these verses in Isaiah 35, verse 5 to 6, and it says, Then the, the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the, blame will, the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. And after hearing the prophecy, he said this, I can't help praising God. As I go along the street, I lift one foot, and it says, Glory! I lift the other foot and it says, Amen. And they keep on going like that. Glory. Amen. Glory. Amen. Is that me? I walk down the street sometimes and it's, oh me. Poor me. Oh, life's hard. So the glory. Amen. Let's do it. Let's all walk out of here today going, glory, amen. <laughs> when he was told about uh, a dying woman who, who uh, uh, this was a woman who was dying, and she, she, as she was dying, she was shouting praises to God. And he said, if a dying woman praised the Lord, I should think a living man might be able to praise the Lord. We need to be intentional about declaring the goodness of God and verbally expressing a heart of thanksgiving. Gratitude is remembering what God has done in the past so we can look to the future with hope. Gratitude is remembering what God has done in the past in our lives so we can look to the future with hope because we've seen the magnificent work of God before. We can look at the future with hope in our hearts that he'll do it again. Why wonder? Why marvel? I'm not going to go into this. I'm going to give you four reasons. I'm not going to talk about them much. But wonder leads to worship. There you go. One reason to wonder. Wonder leads to increased faith. Wonder leads to obedience in actions. Wonder motivates our witness. 
Let me just conclude uh, with a couple of verses, several verses, actually. Maybe this is a conclusion one, there'll be a conclusion two. And anyway, Psalm 78, verse 41 says this. Again and again, this is talking about Israel. Again and again, they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They, why? Because they did not remember his power. They did the day when he redeemed them from the adversary, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the field of Zon. Israel disappointed God by not marveling over his power and what he had done to rescue them from the Egyptians. They had just forgotten about it, put it aside, no big deal. It's in the past, but it says it pained the heart of God. I don't, I don't, you know, God's God, I don't exactly know what that means, but it seems to me in some way we can disappoint God by not remembering and marveling at his wonderful acts in our lives. I think as a parent, I would, I could see that uh, with my own children. Like the, the women who marveled at the empty tomb, or like Peter who immediately got up and ran to the tomb, or Moses who turned aside to investigate the burning bush, can't, we can marvel that Jesus conquered death so that we can live eternally and have a future and a hope. Jesus was speaking um, to a Roman centurion. A Roman centurion came to Jesus. His servant was dying. He came to Jesus and he wanted Jesus to heal his servant. So Jesus said, okay, I'll come to your house and heal you. I'll come to your house. Uh, and... Uh, the centurion said, no, 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 no. You don't need to do that. I'm a man under authority. I have those under authority. If I say this man, go. He does it. He does that. All you have to do is speak the word and that my servant will be healed. Yes. Look at verse, uh, Luke 7, verse 9. Now, when Jesus heard this, he what? He marveled at him. He turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even Israel. In Israel have I found such great faith. Jesus marveled over the faith of a Roman centurion. Do we have faith that God can marvel over? I believe as we learn to marvel over God and his works, our faith will grow and we will give to God something that he can marvel over. Amen? Amen. Remember, moments of wonder come when God who is looking for us encounters us looking for him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so as the worship team comes on up, um, I just want to kind of pray a prayer over us and ask the Lord to stir our hearts. Let me, uh, actually, let me say a couple more things real quick. Where is, uh, is Lori here, McCowan? Okay, well, anyway, Lori, I was talking to Lori yesterday at the memorial service, and she reminded me of a, a, a sermon that Michael Thompson had spoke. Um, this was uh, Michael Thompson, a local pastor, he was invited uh, by Bill Johnson out to Reading to preach uh, in their church. And a couple things he said that uh, I haven't covered real well here, but are, I think important to understand. 
He said this, wonder does not ignore the hard times or even the times of our failures. Wonder does not ignore the hard times or even the times of our failures. Wonder looks at the worst that life can throw at us and says that God is good. That, does that make sense? Even the most difficult of times, uh, that the difficult things that can come our way, wonder says to God, God, you are good and faithful in the midst of this trial in my life. And so, Father, I, I, I just pray, Lord, as your people, God, that we would have hearts that are filled with amazement and wonder concerning you. Lord, it's easy, I think, to become complacent or to get overly involved in activities or to allow the things of this life to distract us and pull us in one direction or another. But I ask God that you would help us to keep our focus upon you. Lord, with all the, all the, all the wonderful things, actually, in some cases, that this world has to offer, may our wonder for you be greater than our wonder for them. Lord, I believe that having a heart filled with amazement, a heart that marvels over uh, your works in our life, over your kingdom, is essential to us maintaining uh, a, a, life, a, a, life, a life filled with life, God, a life filled with your resurrection life. Lord, I ask that you would, um, that you would speak to each one of us today. Uh, Lord, perhaps there's areas of our lives that have taken uh, more of a hold on our minds and our hearts than they should. I pray, God, for insight and wisdom into those areas, that you would speak to us about those areas, that you would show us, God, how to put those areas in their proper context. And God, that you would cause our heart to begin to be filled with wonder over you and your kingdom. Lord, I pray for revelation for your people. God, open up their hearts and minds to see beyond the natural world. To see what you're doing. To remember what you have done. Maybe there's something in the past that you intervened in some way in a person's life and they didn't, they didn't see it was you. Show them what you did, God. So they'll, they'll, they'll be filled with excitement. They'll look to the future with hope. God, we are a blessed people. We serve a big, hairy, audacious God. And we're thankful, so thankful, for the resurrection life of Jesus Christ that resides inside us. We choose today to marvel over you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.